good at guitar. I've always maintained. Um, so, my friend Jake Rickard. What's up? Hanging out. Is this your first pod? Yep. Anybody want to talk to me? <laughs> hey, I want to talk to you always. But uh, do you remember, like, not necessarily a specific day, but a time frame that we met? I want to say I was in the tail end of eighth grade. Because I know coming into ninth grade, uh, we had a we shared a class together. That's where I remember meeting you was in in that that math class with that teacher that was a basketball coach. Oh, okay. I can't remember what his name is. Mr. Bowman. Yeah. He was a pretty legit dude. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, he was to me anyway. He treated me good. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I, that's where I really remember us meeting and then becoming friends and like realizing that we had, you know, some similar interests between <laughs> skateboarding and, you yeah. know, I'm pretty sure I'm the one who t- got you into Coheed, I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure you did. So... And I was thinking about this the other day because, you know, we you live in Florida, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you've been all over the place, and we'll get into that a little bit. But, uh, you know, we talk every once in a while on Messenger, yeah. catch up. And we were just talking about Coheed, and I was like, damn, I've been listening to him for 15, 16 years. Yeah. And the song 2113, I was just jamming out to it. I'm like, wait a minute. That's the fucking time consumer riff, yeah. the intro yeah. riff. And I was just like, that's weird. And I was talking to Chris about it. Chris has been on the show plenty of times, so people will know who he is. Uh, and he's like, well, maybe, you know, sometimes people could accidentally recycle something mm-hmm. and not realize it. And I'm yeah. like, that seems like a pretty particular yeah. riff. It's definitely intentional. Yeah, so, so that's what got me thinking, like, well... That has to be intentional because Claudio seems like the guy that would right. do that, especially since it's a huge arcing story. Right. So I, I went and looked online, and then sure enough, it said that, yeah, it's the time consumer riff. And then I went down this rabbit hole. There's this 20-minute video on YouTube, and it shows where all of their uh, songs connect and re mm-hmm. like reprisals and stuff like that. Right. And I was just like, damn, dude, that's so much deeper than I thought it was. Right, for sure. And, like, I mean, the perfect example is what we were talking about the other day with, with um, what is it, uh, Everything Evil and Blood Red Summer mm-hmm. and uh, Telling the Truth. There, You know, it's, it's the guitar riff from Blood Red Summer. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's basically the lyrics from uh, Everything Evil just all compressed. And, and what I've read to understand is that it's it's the same events being told from someone else's perspective, a different character in the story's perspective. Yeah, I, and it would definitely make sense just because when I finally connected that, I was like, that would make it <laughs> so much easier to like follow along with the story. Yeah. Because back when I was a teenager, and it was probably a couple years after you introduced me to them, um, me and uh, Ronnie, you know Ronnie? Yeah, of course. So... Uh, we were just sitting there one night, and I think it might have been uh, Good Apollo Volume 1. Mm-hmm. And we were just trying to connect the story together just by listening to the songs, which is pretty much fucking <laughs> impossible, you know? Well, it's, it's very difficult in the sense that, like, Claudio writes these songs to have the meaning within the concept, but also writes them so they're, you know, general enough that people can relate to the lyrics that he's saying outside oh, yeah. of the story. So that's, there can be whole parts of the song that don't have anything to do with the, the concept or mm. there's whole songs that are just loosely, you can't even time to one point in, yeah. in, in, in the story, you know, like 
I, I've been since we started talking about it, I've been reading more, like trying to <laughs> brush back up on yeah, yeah, yeah. all the things that I used to know. But it, it, I don't know. He's just a wild dude with a crazy imagination. So when you first heard about them, do you remember what year it was? What time frame was it? Was it? When second stage was already out, or yes. were you like on the-, the 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 first person who ever told me about um, the first person who ever told me about Coheed, oddly enough, was Calvin Mann. Oh, okay, we were working together at CC's Pizza. Nice. And he was telling he told me about the song uh, "Devil in Jersey City" mm. because you know how interesting the lyrics are of that song. You know, <laughs> yeah, sweet sure. Josephine, please, you know, fuck me back home. Yeah, and I'm like, that's weird. So I went home and listened to it on the internet, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, you know. Coe's pretty good, and then I didn't really get into them until Chris Myers gave me a copy of In Keeping Secrets. <laughs> yeah. And then that went in the CD player of my car, and that's where it stayed for <laughs> yeah. months and months and months. That's all I listened to. That was just so just, you know, I mean, you know when you first heard In Keeping Secrets, yeah. what, it, what it did to you, the way it made you feel. My first experience with Coheed ever I was, of course, a hater. <laughs> um, it was when I think the video came out for uh, um, a favorite house Atlantic. Yeah, that video was weird. And I was like, "Dude, fuck this band," <laughs> you know. But this was back. I think I was in. I think I was in eighth grade when I saw that video, and I was like, "I'm not about this at all." But it was also that kind of phase where yeah. you don't like something just because it's kind of popular, mm-hmm. you know. So I was like, "Fuck that," and then. You were like, hey, you really got to give this a try. So you let me borrow um, in Keeping Secrets. And I remember my first uh, playthrough of the, you know, not the Ring in Return, but in Keeping mm-hmm. Secrets, the title track. I was like, well, this is definitely way different than A Favorite House Atlantic. Right. And there was a lot more, like, musicianship in it. And it was very progressive. And yeah. I was like, well, that's that's really cool. It's not just, like, the poppy, high-pitched singing and right. all that. And... After the song ended <laughs> and it went back into it, you know, it does the fade out and it comes back into yeah, the intro right, riff. For the last time, yeah. I, I was sitting there like, is this thing on repeat? Yeah, <laughs> so right. So I'd, I'd like double check just to make sure. But, you know, I've, I told you, I'm super thankful that you got me into them because legit, one of my favorite bands. Yeah. When Second Stage came out, I want to say I was 16. That was just game over right there. That pretty much cemented them into my top favorite bands yeah. because that lo- that album, in my opinion, just took it to the next level. Which uh, album? Uh, that which which one did I say? You Keep said you... second stage, but you mean oh something yeah, else. yeah yes I meant uh good thanks for catching that um what for uh, fear of go- the eyes of madness yep good Apollo and then that title first of all it's like yeah. what the fuck yeah that's an excellent title <laughs> yeah. yeah what is it uh, good Apollo I'm burning star four, four yeah. volume one from, from fear, fear yeah. through the eyes exactly. of madness yes and to touch on that CD just the whole overall sound like when they just started blasting you with fucking solos dude yeah. that whole Willing Well series is just like yeah. any musician's dream right I, I've talked to people who don't even like Coheed and I'm like just listen to that right. just listen to the four and they're like Jesus Christ yeah. I don't understand how you could be that creative. Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> super creative, and he had the right, you know, ideas about this concept. But man, you could tell that he was a new writer with just some of the names that he gave people and how terrible the like the the character names are for 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 some of the characters in the storyline, like like Mayo. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Like what? when I heard that in second stage, I'm like, is he saying mayo? Yeah, I need mayo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I won't fail you now. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking hilarious. I'm like what? Like what is it? So, I, yeah, you can definitely tell where it got better when he started having help actually writing the comics. Mm, yeah. You know, like someone who was a professional writer could really take that jumble of shit that he had in his head and help him really actually put it down to in like yeah. a you know a cohesive storyline that's always but, fucking solid to take an idea like that and turn it into what it's become you know yeah. how many albums do they have that i think only one of them doesn't apply to the broad story yeah, which which one is it that doesn't um it's, uh the color before the sun yeah right exactly I, I thought it was solid for what it was you know what i mean i honestly haven't listened to it i i got turned off on at Year of the Black Rainbow. <laughs> I think, yeah, And everybody. I slowly came back with the aftermath, mm. but it's still not as solid as the old stuff. Yeah. But I think w- what some of the problem is, is in why I feel like Year you know, of the Black Rainbow was such a, a flop is it was at that time that they got signed to a, 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 an actual major label. Yeah. Claudio, they made him cut his hair. You know, they, were, they? they were changing his Damn. image. And I think that he fuck got a lot that. of people coming in and doing what producers do best and fuck up someone who... Is actually a creative person. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're in their water, element. Yeah, water it down with their bullshit, and then they yeah. end up, you know, changing the actual thing that made them mm-hmm. want to sign him in the first place. Another thing that I thought with that album, um, at least it seemed to me when Josh left, it kind of, like, something changed with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they picked up uh, Chris Penny, which who was obviously a solid That was drummer. my favorite Coheed lineup is when, 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 when Penny, Penny, when was, Penny was on the kit. Yeah, dude, that dude on drums is just like, yeah. there's almost no one else out there like him. And he's just so, one of my favorite things about watching him drum is that he, you'll see some drummers that look like they're about to have a fucking heart attack <laughs> when they're yeah. behind that. That dude is like the most cool, calm, collective, always chewing gum <laughs> fucking dude yeah. on a drum kit. And, and just... The things he can do on that and what he brought to Coheed, it, it, it just sucks that it didn't work out that, that they had mm-hmm. you know, part ways. Because, I, I mean, their drummers are always good. Yeah. But, like, he was something that was just, like, I mean, Chris Penny's always been that dude in the drumming world that, like, I just remember, like, I only knew who Chris Penny was because Bo. <laughs> yeah. And you know how... Bo was just, he would just sit there and watch Chris Penny videos. And I'm like, who the fuck is this dude? And he would just yeah. show me these fucking crazy things that he was doing. And then I got into watching Chris Penny videos. And then it was announced that he's coming to Coheed. I was so fucking stoked. And then it only lasted, what, two years? Yeah, so, and uh, technically his first album was uh, Good Apollo 2, yeah. No World for Tomorrow. Yeah, there was co- the contractual yeah. shit with the first fucking one. Fucking Taylor Hawkins playing drums, dude. Yeah. When I found that... I was reading, uh, I think it was the, it was like some mentions or something. Like, you know how back in the day you would, you know, read a CD book and it would have all the artists that helped on it? Yeah. I was reading it online, though. I just can't remember what that part's called. But when I saw Taylor Hawkins of Foo Fighters play the drums on the album, I was like, you'll be fucking kidding me. Yeah. I had no, I mean, obviously he's a professional drummer, but that doesn't sound like the Foo Fighters to me, you know? But this is also when... You know, I was only a couple years into playing music, and my brain wasn't... It didn't really grasp everything that was going on. Yeah. Like, I remember when I was a kid, and I started taking interest in music. Uh, this was, like, preteen, so before I even got a guitar, but when music actually started hitting me, I got a little bit offended when I found out there was backup singers. I was like, 
what the fucking vocalist can't do it all. Right. You know what I mean? No, I totally know what you mean. There's it's it's weird when you have this this idea of what something is, and then you kind of learn more about it, and it's something completely fucking different. <laughs> Or like when you learn that like one of your favorite songs was actually written by someone else, mm, wasn't yeah. had no one who was even in the in you know in that band or you know. I learned a lot of Aerosmith was like that. Well, their big fucking hit, "I Don't Want to Miss a Thing." Yeah, you know, obviously they got hits, but like I would say it's probably arguably their biggest. You know, because it was it's, in fucking Armageddon, right? <laughs> and they, I think they bought that song. Yeah, it's like okay. Yeah, a lot of that stuff kind of makes you. Irritated, <laughs> you know. But then you go back and look at the Beatles. They were writing songs for everyone. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the they're Rolling, influential. They wrote the Rolling Stones' first number one. You know, their first number one hit was written by the Beatles. Oh, was that was that the cover they did, or was did the Beatles no. actually? No, the Beatles wrote a song for them, and that was their first hit. That's oh, okay. what launched. That's what started the fucking Rolling Stones. Oh wait, I was thinking of uh, Aerosmith when they yeah. covered. Okay, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Rolling yeah, I, Stones. Yeah, I personally fucking hate when people cover Beatles songs. <laughs> yeah, there's only one Beatles cover that I really like, and that's by Ramallah. Mm. A Day in the Life. They but they change it. They do like this hardcore kind of. They do their own thing to it. They don't just do like a Sheryl Crow a fucking Aerosmith where they try to <laughs> do a Beatles song like the Beatles. Yeah, that's always tough to do it especially if you're doing an iconic band and you want to cover right. one of their songs you got to do your own flavor on it don't try yeah. to be them and even when you're doing your own flavor you got to fucking bring it right and you that's, can't half-ass it and that's like, what ramallah does in that a day in the life if you probably never heard it i haven't D- take some time and look it up it's it's really good i'll check that out and they even changed some of the lyrics to to reflect it, it was i think it was recorded sometime after 9-11 and, mm. they, and they make a 9-11 reference in it oh, by okay. changing some to update some of the lyrics to you know Reflect what was going on at the time. It's, it's, it's a, they did a really good job. That dude has such an awesome, unique voice anyway. I, can't, I don't even know what his name is, but he's the singer for Blood for Blood, too, oh, okay. also. Uh, uh, so that band, you said Ramallah? Yeah, Ramallah. What, uh, what kind of style are they? Is it like kind of they metal? Do a lot of, they do a lot. Of, it's like metal-y, hardcore, and then they do a lot of covers of stuff in that style. Oh, okay. Yeah. Y'all definitely check it out. Have they're, you they're heard... I, I can't remember which band it is, Cliff Mike, because he's into radio rock. <laughs> Butt rock, you mean? Yeah. They do that uh, Blue on Black cover, Kenny Wayne Shepherd. It's fucking terrible, dude. There's no soul in it. And Kenny Wayne Shepherd, that's fucking blues, dude. Yeah. You got to have soul in that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just sounds like that typical radio rock sound mm-hmm. that doesn't have all those fucking blues licks that fucking... Yeah, I, I hate watered down shit like that. I hate when people... <laughs> like, that's my big... Like gripe with John Mayer. Okay, yeah, that Um, makes sense. They're habitually terrible. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what were you saying? I said that's like that's like my big thing with John Mayer is like that dude is amazing, Mm -hmm. but he fucking tames himself down and waters it down to be commercially viable, and I I just don't like that because you watch videos of him like online playing live sets with (laughs) whoever, whether it's Dead and Company or just whatever he's doing. That. That dude's fucking sick, dude. He's mm-hmm. so goddamn good and talented. It's like, why wouldn't you want everyone to know that? Like, why wouldn't you record albums that really show how amazing you are at your craft? I wonder if he's got... Well, I mean, I'm probably sure we'd probably heard about it, but, like, just the... He's already kind of, like, a solo act kind of guy. But you know how, like, when somebody will branch off and do their own kind of sound mm-hmm. and with, you know... I wonder if there's any kind of that. But, like I said, we probably would have heard of it. I don't know, man. There's a lot of weird shit. I think the music industry is fucking disgusting, so... 
know, they ruin a lot of good shit. Speaking of disgusting, kind of getting off topic here. So this happened uh, Friday night when I was uh, browsing the internet. People are trying to fucking cancel Joe Rogan and Joey Diaz right now. Oh, wow. I haven't heard that one yet. Yeah. Like, it's literally just fresh, dude. And Joey Diaz is on Twitter just lighting motherfuckers <laughs> dude, up, dude. he's the best, People dude. are like, you can't cancel a savage. You right? know what I mean? He's fucking Uncle Joey. He don't give yeah. a shit if you cancel him anyway. So I guess what had happened was on one of Joe's podcasts, he said, if you wear a mask, you're a bitch. Yeah. Out in public. You know, so people are pissed about it, and so they started. You know, who how said that? Rogan or Diaz? Joey uh, or Joe Rogan said, "If you wear a mask in public, you're a bitch." No, I think he said, "If you or wear a mask in your car while you're alone, oh, okay. you're a bitch." Well, that's I, how they titled it. Yeah, if of you course, wear a they're, mask they're out in public, clickbait yeah. everything. I, I listened to that podcast, and I didn't remember it specifically, yeah. but that's what. Oh, he said. Yeah, you know, I listened to the same one. That's what he said. He said, "If you wear." If you wear a mask in your car alone while you're driving, you're a bitch. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I get that just because. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm you know I wear a mask at work because it's mandatory, but outside of that, it's just like you know. Yeah. If I get it and die, then I'm gonna get it and die. Right. But uh, anyway, so they start going back through Joe Rogan's catalog, you know, because <laughs> you know how they it's like a witch hunt. Yeah. So then they find they come across this uh, clip, Joey Diaz, and this is back when. Uh, Rogan had Red Band. Right. Oh, that's so way ago. back in yeah. the day. So I think they dated it like 10 years ago or something like that. And mm-hmm. Joey Diaz was telling some story about how at the comedy store, he used to tell this chick that she would have to suck his dick for stage time. I remember it. So people are pissed about saying he raped this chick and all this <laughs> yeah. stuff. So then you got people like Josh Wolf coming out and saying, hey, I know this girl that he's talking about. You know, they were both drug addicts at the time. They, you know, hooked up multiple times. Right. So he's just embellishing the story to make his friends laugh. Yeah. And all that stuff. So then people's like, so even if he's embellishing it, it makes it okay to joke about? Yeah. It's like, dude, yeah. people are going to fucking joke about shit, whether you For like sure. it or not. I mean. For sure. Yeah. I, it's tough, man. Like, and the great thing about Joey Diaz is he's never tried to hide the terrible piece <laughs> yeah. of shit person he used to be. And that, you know, He's been on his road to redemption mm-hmm. for a long time, and he's never made any, you know, made, he's always made it known, the shit that he did, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, look at that, when he fucking finally got the dude that he fucking <laughs> kidnapped yeah. to meet back up with him, and he's like, look, you know, I've been working at this for years to try to fucking make amends <laughs> with this dude, Yeah, you know, and so I'm in a position to be able to do it, and he did, you know what I mean? How many people that used to be fucking criminal pieces of shit really make that extra effort to... To right their wrongs, you know? Yeah, not... Not man... Like, I feel like most people that are on a path like that don't turn it around. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's a difficult feat in its own right, but... Yeah, and I know you've heard that story about him fucking... When he was... I think he was 16 on acid, finding his mom dead. Yeah, for sure. I couldn't fucking imagine, dude. fuck you up, dude. Yeah. And, you know... People want to cancel him. I don't. I don't fucking get it. You know, he, he, it'll pass. Yeah, for sure. Like like they said, you can't cancel a savage. I don't see him going anywhere. Because yeah. you know, they ain't gonna, uh-huh. you know, they ain't gonna cancel either of them. Especially Rogan's the biggest <laughs> yeah. fucking podcast that's ever yeah, exactly. existed. And with that fucking hundred million dollar deal he just got with Spotify, mm-hmm. it's like how you gonna cancel somebody who's their own boss? And that's all probably what it is. People are pissed off about him getting that hundred million. Mm-hmm. They're trying to find a way to fuck him out of it. Yeah. But I bet you that check's already cleared. 
for sure. <laughs> it was probably in the contract. Like once it clears, you ain't getting it back. Right. <laughs> he's he's he knows what's up, dude. So, uh, on top of Josh Wolf coming out to put the icing on the cake, a bunch of his female openers have come out and said. Joey's such a sweetheart. Yeah. He's never once tried to fucking do anything with me. And and then Josh Wolf was telling him, you know, all these people on Twitter, like, hey, listen, Joey Diaz has integrity, the real kind. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? I just just don't get it. Like, uh, Cliff, did you delete your Facebook? You didn't? Did you block me? No, I got deactivated. Oh, okay. So I was like... Damn, I was trying to get a hold of Cliff, and I was telling Jake about it. Like, I think he deleted his Facebook, and Jake was telling me, you know, a lot of people are hopping off right now during this divisive time. And I was just on there, because I deleted uh, Facebook off my phone. Occasionally, I'll reinstall it to see if anybody's trying to get a hold of me and then take it off. I always keep Messenger on there, but I I got on there this week, like, two or three times, and I was like, Jesus Christ, dude, it's a madhouse right now. Yeah, People just say everybody's throat about everything. It was nice, though, when this first pandemic thing broke out, all that shit went to the side because there was actually mm-hmm. a real problem to face and all these, you know, other things just kind of went away. You know, that, that's, 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 the social justice warriors kind of died yeah. down for me because they thought there was, like, an actual imminent fucking <laughs> danger that was going to happen to them. And now it's yeah. like, now they realize it's, well, it's kind of slowing down a little bit. They're getting back on, getting into that cancel, you know, culture again. I don't know. It's if this thing ever, you know, starts getting anywhere, I'm sure <laughs> people are gonna be coming after my ass. I've said some shit, <laughs> yeah. you know. Me and Greg, we fucking go hard, dude. Yeah. But you know, it is what it is. We're not trying to offend anybody. We're just yeah. trying to have a good time. Switching gears a little bit, uh, I wanted to talk about uh, your move from, you know, the Hebron Heath area after high school. Yeah into Pennsylvania. Yeah. And you became a coal miner? Yep. Tell me about what that's like because my when I envision mining, it's always that elevator shaft that goes fucking halfway through the earth. <laughs> right. And then it's like 5000 degrees down there yeah. and tunnels are collapsing, so Yeah. I mean, you're not too far off. <laughs> I mean, yeah. with the distance a bit, you know, we're only about, you know, it just depends on where you're at cuz we were in the you know, the, the foothills of the Appalachian mountains, you know? So depending on where you're at in relation to the fucking foothills or the mountains depends on how deep you are, Mm. you know, but like 600 feet at the bottom of the shaft. And then, you know, you would gradually get deeper as you progress forward in mining. But I mean, honestly, it was my favorite job I've ever had. You know, it's, I would assume that it's fucking super hard labor. Uh, it can be, but you utilize machinery a lot, mm. you know, but th- it can very be, it can be very laborious. Uh, there's times that it's hard work and it sucked, but there's also times that it wasn't that hard and I slept and fucking <laughs> got paid great money yeah. to fucking sleep for eight hours, you know, like there was, it's one of the most heavily regulated jobs, you know, there's, federal inspectors or state inspectors and there's just you know rule books from each jurisdiction that are you know an inch or two thick mm. so there you, there'd be technicalities and shit where you couldn't actually mine and you just had to stand there 
or damn, <laughs> you would just lay there on a pile of coal and go to sleep because it was like your hands were tied. Like one of the things that you would have to keep an eye on is methane gas because uh. every time you cut into coal, methane gas is liberated. So damn. the whole mine is set up to to basically direct air across. It's called the face where you're actually cutting coal. They call it the face. So everything in mining is set up to direct air across the face while you're cutting coal. So when the, when the methane gas is being liberated, it's taken out what's called, you know, um, the return. Okay. And the return takes it topside so it keeps it safe so there's no explosions. Gotcha. So methane gas is explosive between 5 and 15%. Outside of those you know, parameters, it's not explosive. If you have 2.5% methane, it won't ignite with, mm. with a lighter, with a spark, with nothing. It's just not explosive. And then when you get too saturated with it above 15%, the same thing. But it can also be dangerous because it displaces oxygen. Mm-hmm. And you can end up passing out. And Damn. there's a lot of dangerous shit down there, but it's not the same kind of mining they were doing 150 <laughs> years ago yeah. where a mule's life was worth more than a man's. Mm. You know, that, that there was definitely some hard fucking times for some really hard men who came up and children. I mean, yeah. it's, it wasn't that long ago. They had six-year-olds in coal mines mining coal all day. I mean, in some places in the world, they still do, which is unfortunate. But, mm-hmm. you know, something about being in a job like that where there is always that idea that the top could come down at any time or an explosion could kill you at any minute, it, it makes for a unique, you know, work experience in the, the kind of relationships that you form with the guys that you that you're working with. You definitely get really close to some guys because you're, you're working long hours. You're spending, I mean, more time with them than you do with your family. And uh, it was honestly my favorite job, and I miss the fucking guys I worked with. Yeah. I worked with some of the crazy, <laughs> the craziest fucking oh, I, people. Oh, I can fucking imagine. Let me go work underground. You know, I, and, and I really clicked with the old timers because I, mm. I have that fucking fuck the man mentality in my <laughs> mind. It's just yeah. who I am. And these guys would tell me stories about when the union actually meant something and they were on the picket lines and people fucking died and they died, you know, fighting the fucking company because the company was constantly trying to fuck them out of their money and their benefits and not taking care of them. And they told me stories about when semi trucks would try to cross the picket line and they'd fucking goddamn smash the windows out of it and try to flip the fucking truck over. And, you know, there's tons of good documentaries on old, you know, coal mine strikes where people get fucking shot and killed. Yeah. It was, it was that fucking important. You know, a lot of people don't really realize what the UMWA has done for just people like you who, who never stepped a foot in a coal mine. You know, Mm -hmm. you have a 40 hour work week because of the UMWA, you get vacation time because of the UMWA, you get health insurance offered to you because this is all shit that coal miners were fighting for. Damn. You know, 60, 70 years ago. Like, you get paid, you know, time and a half because of the UMWA. They, they set the standard. And did, did you learn about this from the documentary or your time? No, this is just shit that I learned about because, like, when you get into that, you tend to get interested in it. And, you know, we would go to rallies and stuff for our union. And uh, I was thinking actual, rat, like, checkers rallies. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> I was like, so they're going to that lunch? Sounds, that, must, that sounds way better. <laughs> you know, yeah, we, would just, yeah. we would just fucking walk around a downtown area with fucking signs and shit and, you know, shouting our fucking local. Like, but 
I'm the type of person when I start doing something, I get interested and I want to, you know, kind of learn the history about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had, we had day, they would teach us about it a little bit because we'd get days off from work that were related to the union, you know, victories. Like April 1st is called Mitchell Day. And, okay. and, and that is what, that's celebrating the 40 hour, the 40 hour work week. Um, Mitchell Day. Yeah. Damn. So there's shit like that, but all in all, it was a fucking awesome job. And the the benefits were amazing. And I was making more money at 24 years old than fucking I could even imagine. And I had great health insurance. And it was just a great fucking job. Scary. It was definitely scary at times. There was times <laughs> fucking top came in right in front of us and you'd take off fucking running pissing and shitting in your pants because oh, you thought you were about to fucking die. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you saw any shit go down. Yeah, man. I, I definitely seen nothing crazy, but like... When I you're, don't know. The top coming down sounds a little it, fucking it, crazy. It, it sounds a lot worse than it is. Uh, I don't like, know. <laughs> you, you would mine with this machine called a continuous miner, and it's this 20-ish foot long machine that's probably you know 10 feet wide, and it has this big fucking cylinder looking thing in the front of it old timers are called a corn cob and it has these spikes that come out of it and it just spins forward mm. and then it has like a or t- it can move up and down and then the oh, whole okay. machine can move in and out and you call it something in and something out and then you could lift your head up and down so you would start at the bottom that thing would be spinning and you would sump in sump back out you pick your head up a little bit to the mid do it again you just keep doing that, and that's how you progress forward. And then that's every better than old shoveling pickaxe. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then every couple of feet, you would stop, and there'd be guys that stand on the side of the mine. They're called roof boulders. There'd be this big fucking strap, this big metal strap, that you would push up to the top. They would drill holes up into it, and then they would put this two-part epoxy up into the top, and then you would put what's called a mechanical bolt up into the roof, and then you would spin it around and break that glue up. And you'd hold it tight up there for like 10 seconds and that glue would cure fucking like that. Damn. You drop it down, now the roof's supported and you can move forward. So every time you go forward, you, like every four feet, you got to put one of those straps up to keep your top safe so you can walk underneath it. And <laughs> Yeah. So the, the, the mining equipment that you're working on, when you stop to do that, you put what is called an ATRS. It's like a a temporary roof support. It's hydraulic and it's built into the machine. It will push these fucking things up into the top and then to the bottom to hold it up tight while you're bolting it up. And then you pull it down, move forward, and you're good. Like, there was hardly ever any kind of... I mean, no one ever died in the mine that I was in. It was open yeah. for over 30 years in its entire span. No one had ever died there. I Damn. mean, I got hurt a few times. Like, I fucking blew my pinky finger out. <laughs> I got my foot smashed. Damn. I fucking smashed my other hand. Like, it's definitely can be some dangerous shit, but you, you got to be cognizant of what the fuck you're doing. I went down this rabbit hole on YouTube. This guy, I, I can't remember his fucking name, but he goes and uh, explores abandoned mines. Yeah, that's sketchy. Yeah, I, I guess he's got experience, so he knows where he can go and where he can't go, like the shape of the wood and yeah. the way the ground looks, I guess. Yeah. I mean, he, he might be full of shit, but... Yeah, I guess, but uh, he's got a lot of videos. Yeah. He's been going for years, and but still, I, I don't know if I would, because yeah. he's like, here's this uh, ore chute goes down probably, you know, 100 feet, and I'm like... Yeah, yeah <laughs> going into abandoned mines is really fucking stupid. Oh, yeah. Because, like, 
but you don't know what the fuck you're gonna get into, man. You don't know. Like it hasn't. Like so, another thing, another safety thing that they do in the mine is they have what's called a fire boss. Yeah. And he, what fire bosses do is they walk through a, a designated area. They break it up a ton, a bunch of different guys because one guy couldn't do the whole mine. It'd be fucking crazy. They're so <laughs> yeah. big. So what they do is they walk around. They check for gas, and they check and make sure every you know they they make sure it's safe and they have mm-hmm. to do it like before the shift, during the shift, at the end of their shift. Like they're yeah. constantly fire bossing the mine. And the reason they call it that is they used to fucking have these carbide fucking caps. Like, that's how you lit to see. It was a fucking flame that would come mm, out. Yeah. And they'd walk around. If you were getting close to gas, it would affect the way your fucking... That's crazy. The flame on your fucking cap would, would change. But, yeah, they're, they're constantly checking the safety of the, of the mine. You know? Such a weird... Pro, like, the just... That's just part of our evolution, obviously. You know, digging into shit, yeah. finding resources, but just like you were saying, that flame on the helmet or whatever. To, yeah. You know, imagine the first guy that didn't know. Yeah. That they, <laughs> right. Like God damn, yeah. dude. And I mean, like the whole, the whole where they used to say, you know, canary in a coal mine. That was real. They used to take caged birds in there mm. and they would put them in an area, and if that bird died, damn. they knew it wasn't safe to go there. You and know, that's when Peter started. It might be. (laughs) I mean, this was back 1800s when they used to use canaries and stuff. Yeah. And probably earlier than that. I mean, I don't know the official history of mining and when they started going, doing deep, deep mining. You know, they've been mining for, I mean, there's history of coal use thousands of years ago, you know. But I don't know when the actual official sort of like deep well mining is, but that's when they were using it. But now they have multi-gas detectors that'll tell you exactly you know, what the percentage of oxygen in the air is. And that's, you know, and that margin is really small too. Like mm-hmm. it's like between 18 and 21%. If it gets outside of those parameters, you're going down, <laughs> you know, Jesus Christ, dude. and if it gets, you know, if it goes above that and get up to 20, it's too much. You get fucked up, you go down too low, you fucked up, you go down. <laughs> like that's a very fucking, the, that gives the, me anxiety. Yeah. The ecosystem <laughs> is very, it's very tightly controlled, but it's, mm-hmm. it's man, it's, it's relatively safe. I, th- it's pretty fuck. I would do it again. I, I miss it. You uh, get acclimated to it, man. It's like anything else. When you get used to doing something, I mean, those guys who work on high voltage lines are way more danger than you are in working underground. Oh in yeah. My, in my opinion. Yeah. I guess I haven't done that, but it seems way more scary to me to do that or work in a prison. I wouldn't want to fucking work. <laughs> that, 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 fuck no. Yeah. Dude. Like my, my fucking stepdad, he retired, from a maximum security prison in Pennsylvania. He Jesus did it for Christ. like, I don't know, like 20 years. He, he fucking, you know, was a prison guard. I mean, he worked his way up to be like sergeant or, you know, something a little bit higher, but he worked around murderers, people who ate people like, mm-hmm. like, like some of the, the baddest of the bad. And he used to tell me, I don't know how you work in a coal mine. I don't know how you work around them fucking crazy people who eat people. Yeah, dude. I, in that situation, I'd probably have to pick the coal mine. Yeah, dude. It's not that bad, man. And it's really cool. You got to do cool shit. You yeah. get to use cool equipment. You get to you get to fucking just do niche. I mean, if you're into that kind of, that boyish side of yourself where you get to fuck shit up and <laughs> create yeah. and destroy and do that, like that, that's the part of me that it got excited was like that, that boyish side of me that just got to play with fucking the kind of machines that, you know, you would have played with as toys as a kid, you know? Yeah. And you're like in real life getting to use these kinds of things 
Um, so when you were saying your boyish side made you want to go in there and do it, so I don't know if you remember, but back when you first started uh, working at the coal mine, mm-hmm. uh, you were trying to get me to go join as well. Yeah. And my boyish side was like, no. Nah, fuck that, son. <laughs> that's man's work. Well, it's you know? also, it was such a great opportunity from anyone that we know that's, I mean, you know where we come from. <laughs> yeah. There's not a lot of opportunity here, man. Definitely not. There's definitely some some people here who have made some awesome things and are making the best of a situation of a, a poor area. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this whole, this is all of Appalachia that's like this, you yeah. know? And that, that, I, I tried to get anyone that I considered a friend that I thought could pull themselves out of being in this place that we grew <laughs> up that was, yeah. I always kind of saw as like a, like a, this place is kind of like a black hole of despair to me, yeah. you know? Yeah, for sure. And I wanted to help anyone come out of that, and I thought it was a great way because the money, man. <laughs> yeah. The money, like, when you do a dangerous job, mm-hmm. they pay you well. They give you good benefits. And I try to get tons of our friends to come do it, and they were all the same way. Like, nah, fuck that. Yeah. But me, I'm, I'm, I'm motivated by money. I would, have been, I would have been different had I had the mindset now. Yeah. Definitely, obviously, it comes with age, but just for maturing sure. throughout my 20s, mm-hmm. like... I like throughout my whole twenties, dude. I like, not my whole twenties, but every couple years, I would hit this pocket where I'd just be at my job. Like when I was working at Abercrombie, the warehouse, uh, I was just sitting there one day, and it was just such monotonous work. So easy, you yeah. know. I had great benefits, but it was just so easy, and I was just sitting there, like, dude, the fuck am I doing here? Yeah, I'm going crazy. Like I, I just want, I just wanted to walk out the door and just leave the state, <laughs> just yeah. try to find something else, dude. I just wasn't happy. Dude, I feel you. So I, I like I get these pockets where I feel like that, but it always turns itself around somehow. I always like try to branch out and do new things, like go see more of the state at least that I've not been to, or try to pick up new hobbies. But you know, I'm, I'm thankfully I'm at a job now where it, I get paid basically for a full time job, but we only work like twenty twenty five hours a week. Kind of fucking love that. Yeah. So. Uh, definitely has its pros and cons like everything else but it's definitely one of the most solid jobs that I've had the worst part is that it's an hour drive there an hour drive back but you kind of get used to it you know what I mean especially if you're only working 20-25 hours it gives you the rest of the day to do whatever the hell you want Yeah. so if I had like a regular full time job I probably wouldn't be doing this I probably wouldn't be playing music as much you know so I'm thankful that it gives me enough money to support myself and also work on other things that, you know, I could potentially turn into a career. For sure. You yeah, know? That's something my dad just said to me yesterday. We were talking about, you know, money and jobs and this and that. He's like, sometimes the money's not the most important thing. It's mm-hmm. the, the flexibility and the freedom that you get or, you know, how you feel when you're there. And, and, yep. and you know, I have to tend to agree with him, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, money's always nice, but if you're yeah. not happy doing it, dude. Yeah. What's the fucking point? You yeah, know? It's, it's rough, man. I've done a lot of shit fucking jobs for <laughs> shit fucking pay. Oh, yeah. You know, I've, I've worked at every shitty job in Licking County, you know. You don't have to name it, but what's the worst fucking job you've had? Man. Bo and I worked at this fucking temp job one time. Oh, I think I know where it's at. Oh, somewhere over there in the industrial park in Hebron. Yeah. And I literally, what had happened is, like, one of those fucking weed companies, like Roundup or some shit. Yeah. You know how it has that little spray nozzle that comes off on the hose? Mm-hmm. They didn't put enough glue to glue the nozzle on. Ugh. So we had to unpack just pallets and pallets of those and put a piece of tape over the thing, over the like the spray nozzle, so it would 
stay connected to the fucking goddamn uh, to the fucking bottle. I end up getting fired from that job because of my <laughs> mouth. You know. Yeah, I mean, damn. I'm, it, I'm luckily I don't think I've been fired. I've been fired a couple times. I got fired from Universal Veneer. They did me dirty. They <laughs> yeah. fucking publicly fired me. Oh, they damn. embarrassed the shit out of me. Damn. I was probably like 18, 19 years old. That job sucked real hard, too. Just sorting veneer all fucking day. And you're white, so they're lucky you didn't <laughs> go in there with a gun. You know what I mean? <laughs> that does happen sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Goddamn crazy white people. <laughs> Dude, fuck that. Like, I, the only thing that happened to me was getting fired from a job. Uh, so I worked at this temp candle place out in a, like Aetna area. Mm-hmm. And... So when I first got the job, I went through a temp agency. I was like, I need a part-time job, not a full-time job. So when I first get there, they have me on a full-time schedule. So I'm like, hey, I told them that I needed a part-time job, and they sent me here. So then they're like, well, you got to go talk to the, you know, the boss. Yeah. So I ended up scheduling a meeting to see this guy, and I told him the whole deal. And he's like, well, we don't offer part-time jobs. No. I'm like, oh, okay. So... I worked there for maybe, like, a week and a half. And this is back, you know, when you first start getting jobs and you're not really that reliable. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I just, like, they came through, and it was our first break for the day, and I just went out to the car and left. Yeah, I've definitely done that. <laughs> Never came back, and then they sent me, literally a month later, I got a letter in the mail that said I was fired. And I'm like, I don't know if you know how this works or not. But, but I fucking quit, bitch. <laughs> yeah. I did that same shit at TS Tech. <laughs> nice. Do you ever work there? Uh-uh. That was another really shitty that's one. That's the one in Hebron, right? No, that's out... Where the fuck is... That's where they make car seats for Honda Civics or some shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of THK. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't even know if that place is still there or out there. It is? Yeah. So, <clears throat> at... Uh, what, like, so... When you're doing the coal mining, mm-hmm. when you first, like, what was your uh, your initial thoughts on it before you got there? How much different was it? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Like the first time I ever caged down, I was nervous as shit. Yeah. Like I didn't know what to expect. Like I, I was definitely kind of like trembling as we caged down on that elevator. <laughs> yeah. like, the whole ride down, my heart was fucking pounding. It felt like the longest time I'd ever been in an elevator and those doors opened and I thought I was going to piss my pants. Yeah. And then <laughs> we started walking around and it slowly just kind of subsided. And I'm like, oh, this is fucking cool looking, you yeah. know? <laughs> and then you just slowly start learning shit. Cause like there's a lot of learning. Like they, they make you go to classes to learn how to not get yourself fucking killed. Mm. Like every three months you had to do refresher courses. And, like, we would do, like, simulated mine emergencies where they'd make us put on these oxygen tanks that we had. Like, we had to carry these things called self-rescuers with us, and it would give us an hour worth of oxygen. Damn. And you had to, by law, carry it on your on your mining belt. So we'd have to do training with those things and go. Th- they'd build these fucking trailers where they'd put fake smoke in it, and you'd have to try to find your way out using the, the things that they would put in. They'd put these guide ropes in the mine. So if you couldn't see, they would have cones on them to tell you which direction you were going, if you were heading into the mine or out of the mine. And you'd have to figure out how to get yourself out by just using your fucking hand. Damn. So that's, you know, initially you just go in like what – you're like a kid in a big new world. Like, what is all this shit? Mm-hmm. You're just paying really good attention and you're just listening to the people that guide you. Because when you first go into a mine, you're what's called a fucking apprentice and you have a different color hard hat. Mm. Depending on what mine you're in, you either have a green cap or a red cap. 
And when you become an actual miner, you get a black cap, depending on where you live. <laughs> an actual miner. Right, because yeah, you're yeah. not. You can't even be by yeah. yourself. It's, it's just funny to put it that yeah. way. Like, you're down there with them you, working, yeah. but they're like, you, no, you're not a black boat. Right. Yet. Yeah, you're not. When Until you get your black hat, there's only certain things you're legally allowed to do. And you always have to have, a, like, someone who is a black cap with you. And a black cap can only have two red caps or green caps with him at a time. If he has more than that, he's breaking the law. So you spend your whole first year just, first of all, you get all the shit work your first year. Yeah. If it's picking up something heavy or shoveling something up, you better bet you're fucking doing it. <laughs> you know? So that first year is just learning. Learning how to be safe. Learning how to, you know, you're not even allowed to touch the, the gas detector. Oh, damn. Until you become... And you know you have to you have to take a test with an inspector before you're allowed to use you have to get what's called your gas card. Technically, you're not allowed to touch that thing until you have your gas card. You can't Damn. get your gas card until I think until you're a black cap. And then then to run machines, you have to take another test with an inspector to get your machine runner's papers to be legally allowed to run these machines on this. So you have to know how to take all these tests to know that the machine is safe to run and that the air is safe to run it in. So. It's a lot of that, man. You're tar- you're getting a lot of information, mm-hmm. but they give you six months to a year to to really be proficient in it before they kind of put you out on your own to where you're responsible for shit happening. Yeah. What what uh, cap level did you get to? I was black cap. Yeah, okay, that's as high cool. as you can go, really. You know, it, I don't want to make the comparison, but I have to because it's uh, colors, but as far as like martial arts when you get different belts it's like being a black belt yeah uh so but how many how many levels are there you said there's the there's just two like it just depends on what mine you're on if you're a red or a green cap it just you're an apprentice miner so your your apprenticeship is a year long and once you're there you're you know i guess you could call throwing in different machines runners papers there's other levels you can go to but your hat doesn't change it's just once you're a black cap you're allowed to go in the mine without supervision and you can take, you know, air quality tests and determine that you can run your bolting machine or not. And then you can get other papers like a firebox paper. That's more serious. That takes more time. You have to take classes. You have to take an actual, you know, written test. Because then when you're a fireboss and you're saying this mine is safe, mm-hmm. you're fucking speaking for the lives of everyone who walks in that area. Damn. You know, so if you don't do your job right, it's on you. If you if you declare that mine safe and it's not, yeah, and someone goes in there and fucking dies from an explosion, it's it's some really serious shit. Like that's why there's federal and state, you yeah. know, legislation that, that that gives you the rules, and you have to go by whoever is the most stringent. They, they most of their laws mirror each other, but sometimes the state will be a little bit stronger in an area. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the feds will be a little bit stronger in an area, and you got to go by that. Uh, and you said. Uh or did you only work in one mine? No, I worked in two different mines. Oh, okay. Yeah, I worked in a non-union mine for my first six months. And then uh, I, I wanted to get into this union mine because it was just union benefits were better. Pay mm-hmm. was better than what I was doing. I was working for a contractor. Mm. And you actually had to go take a competency test for this, the mine that I wanted to get into. And it's crazy how many people couldn't fucking pass it. It was just like an equivalency test. like, And you oh, okay. had to... You had to have at least, uh, I don't know, maybe like a, a senior in high school was what you had to have the equivalency of. But mm-hmm. it went all the way up to like sophomore in college. 
I, I say I was on, I only made it to a junior technically. So yeah, but if you could pass the equivalency, that's all they need. You didn't actually have to have a high school diploma. Yeah, yeah. They just wanted to see that you were not a fucking complete moron. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I this test they weren't even that hard. So I got top score you could get on fucking every every fucking category in it. Mm-hmm. it but half the people I took the test with failed. Damn. <laughs> yeah, dude. So that reminds me of uh, when I got my GED, speaking of college, or college, uh, high school education. Yeah. So you can see I got my GED. It's but, all uh, good. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'd already been out of school for a fucking, I want to say maybe two years. I dropped out on my 18th birthday. And uh, so um, I was taking the test. And, you know, I think it was 20 bucks for the practice test. If you passed the practice test, you got to take the test for free. But if you failed the practice test, you had to uh, pay for classes (laughs) and then pay for the fucking test. So I'm sitting in there, and, you know, I'm nervous because school was never my fucking thing. Passed the, the practice test with flying colors. It didn't make me feel any better towards the real test because, like, well, that was just the practice one. What's the real one going to be like? So I think it was, like, a week later maybe we went in there to have the practice test or the real test. They gave us calculators, and so for, the like, the math portion, for example, they had all of, like, the, the basically the recipes up front, like, of how to solve this shit. And they give you a calculator. And I'm like, okay, this seems a tad bit easy. You know, it's like they're just giving me this thing. So after I ended up uh, taking this, they didn't even take our cell phones from us. I didn't cheat or anything because, you know, I got a little bit of integrity. So I passed the uh, test, thankfully. And they were like, so how long has it been since you'd been out of school and I was like you know a year and a half two years or whatever and they're like and you just came in here and flew through this thing passed with flying colors and I'm like yeah pretty much I mean they basically told us how to do everything so uh, I guess a lot of the people failed it and I'm like I'm over here thinking I don't think I'm dumb but I don't think I'm the smartest right. fucking guy ever. So when I came out on top, I was like, that's a bit weird, you know, because uh, you're in the bathroom, Jake. I uh, When I went to go get my GED, I passed the practice test first try. Yeah. So I was able to take the real test for free. Oh, if you nice. fail the practice, you have to pay for the classes. Yeah. So then I went in and passed the actual GED with flying colors, like, in a good amount of time, and they were just, like, shocked by it. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that before from other people yeah. you know it's either you have a mind that you can connect some fucking dots or you don't I mean all they're teaching you in high school is to <laughs> fucking remember information yeah yeah that's it do you have a mechanical mind or not do you can you see how two points fucking connect mm-hmm. a lot of people can a lot of people can't but some people are really fucking good at <laughs> memorizing shit that smart people fucking came up with mm-hmm. it's definitely it was definitely a shocker to me I actually just had to reorder my uh, diploma. I can't remember what it, what I had to get one for. I'm not sure, but I was like, Mom, let me get that because I need it for something. She's like, I can't remember where I put it. And I'm like, you'll be kidding me. You're the one supposed to keep it safe. 
you know? So I reordered it, put it with all my tax information, put it in a safe, make sure it's all good. I've never had to prove to anyone that I graduated high school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's weird. That, like, when they're like, you need to have your diploma, I'm like, all right, that's kind of weird, but... I've no, I don't think I've ever had to... 30, I don't know if I need that, but okay. Right, I don't think I've ever had to prove to anyone. Yeah. I also had to get my uh, uh, birth certificate, too. I, I think that was for when I was getting an apartment. I needed multiple forms of ID. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I just went down, uh, what's this building over here, whatever direction it's in? The health uh, department? Health. health department. Yeah, yeah. I had to go there to get it. Yeah. I walked in. They said, uh, what's your dad's name? Tell him. What's your mom's maiden name? Tell him. They just hand it to me. They didn't make you pay for it? Well, I think I had to pay like ten or fifteen bucks. But That's not bad. But I'm saying like they didn't ID me. Yeah, well, you don't. It doesn't. You don't. You don't need an ID can, to get my own get, birth you can, certificate. Yeah, you can go get anyone's birth certificate if you know <laughs> if you know those answers. That's what the, you can go get. Cliff's birth certificate. That's crazy to yeah. me. Yeah. Well, it's it's there's nothing on there that. Like if somebody was trying to steal my identity. Yeah, but I mean, with that one document, I think it'd be pretty tricky. You know, because they don't know your social. You know, you can't. You can take that. It's difficult, man. It'd be difficult for them to really do a whole lot with that birth certificate. Mm. They guess. might be able to, fit, you know, fool like Little League or something with it. You know, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. might be about it. Yeah, I never. I thought mean, I could be like wrong, that. but I, I'm pretty sure there's not a whole lot. It's like in, you know, that with your social. That's how you know you get your driver's license and shit. Mm, if they got yeah. both of those. It might be able to fuck you up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd probably fuck them up. I don't know if they want my identity. Right. But, you They'd know. be downgrading. That's <laughs> yeah, how I feel yeah, about exactly. Steal my identity. You fucking going yeah. down. You take this back, guy. They'd be trying to abduct that. I can't. Yeah. You ain't going to be happy when you steal my identity <laughs> and end up with a worse credit score. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing I always try to, like, make sure I had a good credit score coming out of high school because I felt like a fuck up. And a lot of the adults I knew had terrible credit scores, massively in debt. And I'm like... You know, I got a little bit of debt going on, don't get me wrong, but as far as my credit score goes, I think it's okay, you know? When I went and got my car, it was like 650. Yeah, that's about average. In that area. But, yeah, you, you know. got that Cliff credit score, that oh, 800, yeah. though. Oh, Cliff's a genius, though. My girl's got an 800 credit score. Damn. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, dude. Yeah. I, mine is pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrible with money. And I'm getting better, but... yeah. I feel that. I was that fucking idiot that at 18 I got credit cards and just didn't pay them. Mm, yeah. Fucked my shit up from the, from the clip. I got mine just to build my credit, and it kind of got out of hand. I, I, I pay them, but, mm-hmm. you know, they definitely were maxed out. Yeah. <laughs> so it's taken a while to get it off, but I got a good chunk knocked off. I got a plan to stuff. move forward, like, yeah, throughout the... That's another thing I realized, like, growing up is naturally my... I'm just trying to get these plans together. You know what I mean? When I was a kid, and they're like, oh, one of the things I always hated in high school, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? I mean, I know, you know, Cliff, you got a nice career, but I was one of those dudes that's like, dude, I don't even know what the fuck I want to do. Everything I want to do, like, the teacher tells me it's not realistic, and I got to pick something else. So it's like, why am I going to pick then? Yeah. You know what I mean? Why the fuck am I going to pick? So, you know, now that I'm growing up and actually feel a little bit more mature, it's like, damn, dude. Dude, we were I'm at a disadvantage. Happy. We went to a shitty fucking school <laughs> yeah. with shitty fucking teachers for the most. But there was a few fucking really good teachers that we had there. But man, the majority of them are the kind of teachers that tell you, pull you aside and tell you, you ain't gonna be shit. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I was baffled when they like what? Like you're supposed to be motivating me, inspiring yeah. me to fucking 
do something with myself, not tell me that I'm a fucking loser and, you know, I come from a white trash fucking family of losers (laughs) and you're going to continue it. It's fucking rough. And that's why I fucking left the first chance I got. Mm -hmm. Okay, so speaking of leaving, you went to Pennsylvania, now you're in Florida. Now I'm in Florida. So what what was the... I mean, not you don't necessarily have to give a reason, but like the whole motivation to go to Florida, because you said well, you love the mining. I job. was married for, for a while, and um, her parents were from there. Mm-hmm. She wanted to go there. We we briefly split up for a little bit, and she went down there, and then we worked it out. And I went down there, and then we ended up having another child. So oh, nice. we tried to make it work for a little while. It didn't. We split up. Got divorced. You know, so now I'm kind of down there with some little ones that I'm, you know, uh, I'm in their life full time. You know, Mm -hmm. we split custody now, you know, literally 50-50. They're with me a week. They're with her a week, you know. So it's that, you know, that's what keeps me there. I mean, I'd like to leave. It's nice there, but I want to go somewhere else. But I'm I'm there for the (laughs) the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. But And your son, how does he deal with moving around no that kid is like the most easygoing dude ever yeah he don't care he's he's a lot you know he's he's struggling to find his way but he's a good kid he's real smart just doesn't have any motivation i <laughs> it's hard to fucking blame him shit looks grim out there you know oh for sure but, i couldn't imagine you know we got a good situation down there it's nice it's kind of expensive but you know you live close to the beach and stuff uh yeah i ride my bike to the beach a couple times a week Ooh, you deal with any hurricanes uh, we was down there for Irma. I mean, I, I bailed, but, you know, <laughs> I came up here during Irma, but it was like I left it like the last possible fucking minute. <laughs> I was going to stay, yeah. and then my sister talked me out of staying, so I fucking packed my car up at like the last minute and got the fuck out of there. And But that's about it. I mean, we'll see. It's you know Florida's all right. It's it's a there's a reason that Florida's the fucking butt of the rest of the country's fucking <laughs> jokes because there there's some fucking crazy people down there. Mm-hmm. It's there's this guy on my Facebook. Obviously, I'm not gonna name him, but he like talks about going down there. Uh, I have a couple people on Facebook actually that bounce back and forth between Ohio and Newark, but it's not necessarily for good things. You know, it's like they're struggling one place, so yeah. they're like, "Fuck it, I'm leaving. We're going back there." And then next thing you know, they're struggling there. You know, it's rough. It's hard to get down there. It's, it's so much more expensive down there mm-hmm. than it is here. What we're you know used to, you know. I mean, just for my fucking apartment, that's not that nice. <laughs> it's it's really not. It's it was built in the '90s, and you can tell. You know, everything's outdated. It, it's yeah. just it's not that nice. We're paying sixteen hundred dollars a month for that. Jesus, you know. I mean, it's in a decent location because, like I said, I can ride my yeah my bike eight miles, and I'm at the beach, and. That part's great, but the, the the fucking housing market down there is crazy. Like, we've been looking, you know, my girl and I have been looking at thinking about possibly mulling over the idea of buying a place. It's yeah. like, bro, you can't touch something for under $300,000. Damn. And that's like an okay place, you know? Something really nice, you're getting up above upwards of $300,000. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't find anything that's worth a damn for under 300 almost that part's rough and then and, and they don't want to fucking pay you anything down there <laughs> yeah <laughs> they expect hey, it's you expensive to, but we're not gonna pay you much yeah they expect you to fucking work doing some menial fucking job and be able to live there but they you know it's 
there's a lot of money in that area that I'm in. There's a lot of millionaires and a couple billionaires. Damn. So, see Rolls Royce on the regular. I don't know what I'd be able to do down there. Like, I'd feel like I'm in a completely different country. It, it does feel like that at times. It, it feels like you're in, you know, little Mexico or little little Havana. or <laughs> there's, there's so many. I mean, I don't think Florida could function without Hispanic people in all honesty. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, it's, they, they're kind of like that in California, too. Like, man, you there's such just some jobs that you don't see white guys doing because the Hispanics have cornered that fucking market. Like, mm-hmm. that is, that's their <laughs> thing. And stay. I know one white dude who does lawn care. But outside of that, that that market is cornered yeah. by by Hispanic people, and the, that's they they're fucking good at it. <laughs> they know what they're doing. I bet that white guy's probably on the Tanner side too. From being no, out there he's a he's a oh, just damn. old Florida cracker that I know. <laughs> old Florida uh, cracker. He's not old, but you know, he's he's a young fella. But he's yeah. just a Florida cracker. It was <laughs> like his dad did it for a long time, and he kind of inherited the company because his dad, you know, I think he got cancer or something, couldn't do it anymore. So he took over his dad's company. He's Damn. making mad cash, but yeah, he'll probably get fucking knocked out of the market. Because <laughs> like it's and there's there's so many fucking lawn care companies down there. It's crazy. So, not that it's the same kind of work, but just the whole outside environment work reminded me of. Uh, I don't know which way you come to visit us, but. Uh, Right there, uh, Granville and 37, uh-huh. 16 and 37, they're doing uh, bridge work right there. Uh-huh. So I was driving through there the other day, and there was one guy on the crane working on the wires. Yeah. Everyone else just sitting. <laughs> and so the lady that was on my end doing the stop sign, yeah. she was just sitting there looking at her phone with the stop sign held up, just smoking a cig, and I'm like... Cool. So I'm driving by, and then the there's a dude sitting in the back of the truck where the crane is, mm-hmm. and uh, or the cherry picker, whatever you want to call it. But he's just sitting there on his phone, just looking down. And I look up, and I'm like, damn, this is the only dude out here really making his money, you know? They're all yeah. just sitting there like, damn, dude, I can't wait for this fucking day to end. Dude, that shit happens. That shit happened in the mine all the time. Oh, yeah. yeah two, guys, two guys working and a bunch of guys standing around watching. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're missing that piece of coal right there, guy. Yep. <sighs> yeah. Um, so we didn't really talk much about. Um, we could circle back to this and wrap up on it. Uh, so some in-depth coheed knowledge. Yeah, we kind of. You said you brushed up. I didn't want you to. I, a little bit. I was just, you know, more about stuff like the 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 recycling of stuff. Like, mm. I'm sure you're aware. Like it, you know that 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 riff that they do over and over again, like the ring and the return, that, mm-hmm. that build up, how it's recycled through, <laughs> throughout, all, across yeah. pretty much every album. Like, yeah, pretty do, much. You, do you know what that is? Uh, do, you, do you know what it signifies? Uh, fuck, is it the... Uh, well, what it is, is it's a passage of time. Okay, it's, okay. It's, it's taking I want to you, say something with a keyword. It's kind of like a changing chapters, if you could think of it like that. Like, oh, okay. Every time that happens, it's going. It's, it's just signifying that we're going from this to this. That's why like, it's at the beginning of most albums, and then sometimes it'll be just randomly kind of peppered in there. I did have a question for you. Maybe you could clear it up for me. If I know it, I'll try. Okay, so <laughs> um, the crowing. Uh-huh. Is that like a, uh, like a disease or... Type thing, or I is think it a that's person? Claudio discovering his powers. Because I was reading the Good Apollo uh, 
or not Good Apollo, but the In Keeping Secrets comic book. Uh-huh. One of my friends has it, and I was just glancing through yeah. it. And it was, uh, so when he's talking about Ambelina, mm-hmm. uh, the prize wishes you to watch over me. Right. So is that Claudio talking to Ambelina? Yeah, I believe Ambelina would, would, would watch over Claudio. She was okay. his, his guardian. Because in the book, when uh, he's with her, but I saw a bubble that said, I am the crowing. Yeah. So I was like... Well, I so think the crowing son has to do with Claudio discovering his powers. Because okay. Claudio has powers yeah, in, yeah. in the Amber I found Wars. that out like he could, two he could ago. Like, like in, in everything evil, like after, after Coheed kills Josephine, Claudio stumbles in, it's in a different song, but Claudio stumbles in to find Josephine dead. And mm-hmm. when he touches her, she comes back alive. And, and, and then that's how Claudio finds out that... Well, he finds out that she uh, was raped by the Jersey Devils. And then he kind of finds out that, you know... Because everything evil is... Is, 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 is Coheed killing Josephine Why Cambria distracts her. Yeah. Because in the previous song... They had just killed the twins with poison, which would be time consumer, right? Yeah. Is that the right order? Time consumer and then everything evil. Yeah. Yeah. So in time consumer, that's when, that's when, that's when Coheed is, is, is kind of taken by the, the powers that be and told that you have this virus. It's called the, the Sinstar virus. Okay. And your kids have an accelerated form of it called the Monstar virus. And if you don't kill them, we're going to kill them because they're a threat to Heaven's Fence. Mm-hmm. So you can put them out of their misery, you know, in a, in a nicer yeah. way, or we're going to make it painful and we're going to fucking make their death miserable. Yeah. So then they give him the poison, and that's what, you know, Maria, my star, Matthew, good night. Yep. You'll be forgiven. Like that's him killing them, and then yeah. and then goes to the next one. Then it's him, you know, a series of knocks to the young girl's head side. That's mm-hmm. him beating <laughs> Josephine to death with a hammer. Yeah. I never knew what that was until I heard like I I heard, listened to a brief description of uh, second stage, and I was like, damn, I need to just shut it off right here so I can discover it all for myself. You know what I mean? Like go through and read the comics. Oh, actually, Devil in Jersey City is 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 in between. So it goes oh, right. time yeah, consumer, yeah, yeah. they kill the twins. Devil in Jersey City, she's out with her fiance. She gets beaten, raped by the Jersey Devils, comes home to tell yes. her parents that this is happening, and that's when everything evil starts, and then she gets murdered by her dad. Yep, gets raped by you a know. fucking gang, and then gets murdered by her dad. And then, like, I, I, I have a couple little notes here that I fucking made of just different things that I knew and I thought, and then, like, one of the other notable things is June Song Provision. That's Claudio writing a letter to Nuo. Like basically saying yep. checking in, but saying goodbye. <laughs> yeah. And June Song was a nickname for her. Oh, okay. Like, like that's damn. He called her June Song. Like it was like a you know, like a pet name. I heard that the band wasn't even on board with all this comic story interwoven into their music. Yeah, I don't know. So I'm glad that it kind of. Cause I think I heard it from Travis Stever that they weren't really into it. Yeah. And then Co. Coheed Claudio's like, no, we're gonna do it. Yeah, dude, he's, I'm so thankful for it. Right, it's so good. Yeah, like you don't. There's one of the only other notable like conceptual albums that I think is excellent is Trainwreck by Boys Night Out. 
Have you ever oh, listened so to that? I won't. I haven't. I need. Oh to man, it's actually. It. Have you listened to it, Cliff? It's so good. It's about a dude who, in his sleep, he accidentally murders his wife. Oh really? And then it's like him waking up to her being dead, realizing that he killed her, him being arrested, going to the mental institution, coming to terms with what he did, kind of getting out because they realize like he did it in his sleep. You know, it was. Can you be culpable if you do something while you're not conscious? It goes into all this stuff, you know, the the court hearing, him coming back out, and then him end up basically losing his fucking mind because he killed the person that he loves. It's an excellent... It's the only other conceptual fucking album outside of Coheed that I've ever heard that was that good. Yeah. Have, I've been hearing a lot. I haven't listened to them. Uh, Deer Hunter? Mm, I've never listened to them before. I, I guess they're a concept... They uh, tour with, with Coheed, don't they? Uh, yeah. yeah, I was going to say I'm not 100%. Yeah. I've heard of them, but I don't know yeah, anything I have about it. I think, I think they actually might be with them at that show I'm going to in, oh, that'd be cool. in October. I'm super stoked on that because I've only ever seen Coheed at Warp Tour. I'm jealous. I've, that's the only times I've ever seen I've seen them a couple times at Warp Tour, so I've never seen a, 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 a full Coheed mm-hmm. set. And this is... an. A, yeah. Indoors, outdoors, they played with the Deer Hunter. Yeah. They Welcome Home is usually their closer. Yeah. And it is huge. <laughs> well, I like I said, they were amazing when I saw them at Warp Tour. But this is, they're doing uh, No Word for Tomorrow cover to cover. So. Yeah, the old Never Ender. I'm so jealous. Yeah, no. And I got VIP tickets. <laughs> I got whatever the top level ticket you could buy. I got me and my girl one. And hey, take me next time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we get, we, get to, twice. we get to meet <laughs> yeah. the, we get to meet the whole band. We get um, we get to take a picture with the band. Nice. We get they're giving us a cassette tape of the original demo recordings of the album. Damn. And uh, I think you might get a laminate. You get early entry. Oh, and we get a private before the concert. We get a private concert before the concert. That's an acoustic set. <laughs> Damn, dude, treating their fans right. Dude, I know. And I, so I'm gonna take some of my comics and see if I can get Claudio to sign them. I bet I, he will. I have he a better. couple. I have a couple that are signed by the whole band. But I have one of the original Amory Wars before they changed it. Mm. They put out two issues. The first issue was almost impossible to fucking get. He's gonna be. He's gonna sign that. I have the second volume, so I don't have the one that's super rare, but it's pretty fucking rare. And I gotta get it signed. He's gonna know you're dedicated. I fucking. Have, <laughs> I, did. I almost met him one time, but I was too scared to go talk to him. Yeah. I was at Warp Tour in fucking Pennsylvania at Pittsburgh at the Post-Gazette Pavilion, and I was watching some terrible fucking band, and he was watching the same band. <laughs> yeah. He was probably like, I don't know, man, 50 feet away from me, and I look over, and I fucking, I was like, holy yeah, shit. Dude. And this was when I was like balls deep into Coheed. Like, I went to there, <laughs> to that warp Tour, to see them. Yeah. Because we got rained out at Cleveland, and they gave us free tickets to the Ooh, next man. stop on the, on the warp Tour. And... The breeze hit, this is going to sound funny, but the breeze hit and went across him and brought, I could smell him. <laughs> yeah. I could smell, he smelled like patchouli. Like he's like a stalker now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I was like, and I just sat there and looked at him and it was a while before anyone else realized who he was. Yeah. And I just, I couldn't work up the nerve because it was like, man, this dude's like a hero of mine. I don't want to go meet him and him be a fuck face and ruin it for me. <laughs> yeah. Or just me go up there and be a bumbling fucking idiot. But like, yeah. hi, I'm such a big fan. Yeah. Like, you no shit, you hear that all day, he... every fucking day. Yeah. Like, and I just, I fucking pussed out. And then finally people started to realize him. He, I think he signed a couple autographs and then he dipped. Yeah. And that's probably, 
right in their fucking prime, I would say. Right in their heyday. What album was out? Oh, I'm trying to even think of what year that was. They were they were playing a mixed setup because they played some stuff off Second Stage. They played some stuff off of In Keeping Secrets. It might have been around the time that uh, Volume 1 came out. Okay, damn. Cause I think that's right when they were fucking on fire. Yeah. You know. Did I ever tell you about when I got to meet them? I the, think... The band? Briefly. So... I was 17, we were at Warp Tour, I can't remember if it was in Cleveland or Cincinnati, uh, but my mom used to take us to all the fucking shows, and so I think this was the first time that I've seen Coheed, I've seen him twice, once at Warp Tour and once at the LC on the inside, um, so they were doing this thing, like if you bought merch, that you could do a meet and greet with them, mm. which, you know, some people would probably say, oh, that's fucked up, but I could respect it, For you know sure. what I mean? They gotta and make money too. <laughs> exactly, you're there to support them. Like they ain't making, they ain't making that much money off a of tour, and they make their money off the fucking merch. Yeah, exactly. Shit. So, uh, you know, and it was like you could buy any, just even a single piece of merch, like anything, any level. It got you a meet and greet. So, I got this uh, hat because I, I don't think they had any uh, shirts of my size. I was way thinner then, but they still didn't have any of my size. And um, so we're just waiting in line, waiting in line, and. So we finally get up there to meet him, and we go from... I don't remember the order the band was in, but the line we were doing, Claudio was last mm-hmm. to do a meet and greet. Like, they signed whatever you wanted, and you got to say hey to him. Dude, and, like, I was kind of, you know, with the other members, like, oh, hey, what's up? And all, as soon as I got to Claudio, dude, I was just silent. <laughs> just <laughs> starstruck, dude. you know? He, you know, he's like, oh, nice to meet you, or whatever. My mom's sitting here fucking... Chatting him joking. up. Yeah, and I'm just like... <laughs> Dude, I think he has that effect on people, man. I know this girl, and I was telling her that I got these tickets, and I was going to get to meet him, and she's like, I went to meet him. I took a comic to sign it. I went up there. I froze, and then I walked away and left my comic laying on the yeah. table, and she said that he like yelled at her, like, hey, hey, you forgot your thing, <laughs> Damn, and she dude. said she walked back so embarrassed and just yeah. like grabbed it head you know, down to the yeah. fucking ground and just like, you know. That's the only time I've ever been starstruck. Yeah. You know, I've met yeah. a lot of fucking bands. Dude, me too. Like, just at Warped Tour, I've met, like, there was a time I was really into Boys Night Out, and I'm, like, I'm actually friends with them on Facebook now, but, like, I fucking hung out with the singer of Boys Night Out for, like, a decent amount of time, you know? But it wasn't like being in the fucking presence of Claudio. Yeah. You know, that dude. I don't know, man. It, it might be like that for anyone if they just have something that they really, like, they can resonate with. The person who created that thing that makes them feel some type of way. You just get like that. Because uh, mm-hmm. I've never really met anyone else that was famous that got, that, that got me fucking weak at the knees like yeah, a little yeah. fucking kid, you know? So uh, I, got, I got this short story for you that you'll probably enjoy. I've told it on here before. But I don't know if you've heard it or not, but, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of his Legend as well. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you're still a fan, because I know that you kind of dropped off at Suck Out the Poison, but I don't yeah. know if you've picked up it since. Didn't, it didn't do it for me. I, like, fucking I Am Hollywood is such a great oh, album. Yeah. Everything from cover to cover, it is just a, a beautiful piece of fucking mm-hmm. art, you know. See, they're a band for me. It's weird because, like, when they put out a new album, it's like it takes me a minute to get used to it because it's always just such, like, a jarring shift in sound. Yeah. Did, have you ever heard their third album? I have not. 
uh, called it hates you. Uh-huh. It's a completely different than suck out the poison. It's right. like a sludge psychedelic rock type thing, and I feel like that's the best album they've ever done. Really, in my opinion. Uh, so if that's something you want to check out, that's the one I would recommend. Yeah, I'll check it out. Now they're newer shit. It's more of like they have a sound now. Like they're more of just like the hard rock band. Yeah, you know they don't scream. I think on the newest CD, Skylar screamed twice, two or three times. Yeah. And then outside of that, from that third CD on, it's just all been singing and like kind of harder vocals. Yeah. But anyways, uh, do you know where Double Happiness is in Columbus? No. So so it's this tiny bar, and it's the last time I saw He Is Legend there, or the first time I've ever been there, last time I've seen them live. Uh, what's the capacity there? Like 200 people? Yeah. And... Uh, so the way it's set up is weird. So the door they had us come in, so if you walk straight into the door, you can see the bar right there. It's probably like, what, maybe eight feet from the door is the bar, and mm-hmm. it goes like a long hallway. If you look left, there's stairs to go up to like a bathroom and mm-hmm. shit, and then you go right, and it drops down three stairs every so often until you're at the stage. And when you get down towards the stage area, it kind of opens up into a pit. It's a pretty cool little place. But we saw his legend, and it was fucking packed. Wow. Like, just to the brim, shoulder to shoulder. And uh, we went out into the parking garage to allegedly, you know, smoke some weed. <laughs> and on the way back out of the parking garage, I'm coming down the steps, and I'm laughing like, oh, hey, uh, what would you, I was talking to my friends, what would you guys do if I fell down these steps right now? Just joking. And they're like, oh, we'd laugh at you or whatever. So we go back into Double Happiness. It's right before they're about to play. And um, like I said, there's a three stairs down every so often. So I'm going up towards the stage, and then I realize he is legend is in front of the bar and a group talking. Wow. And I have to walk through them to get to the stage, and I feel like a dick. Like, I straight got to walk through their conversation, you know? So I try to go as quick as I can through them. And next thing I know, the ground is gone. <laughs> so I eat shit all over the place, dude. I fall down these stairs. I land straight kneecap first. Oh, my and God. And as I land, my fucking shorts come down, so my ass comes out. <laughs> no shit. Dude, right in fucking front of him. And my friend Greg, uh, you know, co-host usually, he was pissed because everybody's laughing. But, like, seriously, yeah, it, was, it was funny. If you're watching you it, it's funny. Laugh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I fucked my knee up. It's still fucked up to this day. But oh, man. I'm thankful that, you know, it wasn't, bo- it, it was a little tender, but it wasn't like a nagging pain or anything. Right. Like if I brushed it on something, it was sore. But like, that's still a fucking memory. What if they remember me from the dude that fucking got his ass knocked out? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not mad at that. Yeah. At least they remember who the fuck yeah. I am. You know what I mean? Right. So then anyways, after the show, um, you know, Skylar was walking back from the bar and, you know, I, I said what's up to him, and he was talking, you know, and I thought it was pretty cool. Greg, he was starstruck yeah. in that moment. And uh, when we first got there, we come around the corner, and the guitarist, Adam, was sitting out there smoking a cig, and Greg just turns around and smiles huge at me. I'm like, dude, keep your shit together, you know what I mean? <laughs> so he turns around and smiles at me, and I see, you know, the guitarist kind of do like, oh, God damn it, type, <laughs> right. you know, eye roll type thing. But, you know, I could respect it. I didn't go up and bother him. I just, you know, kind of gave him the nod when I was going in, yeah, what's up, you know, right. trying to be cool about it. Like, you know, I wasn't starstruck. It is yeah. my, my third or fourth time seeing him, so I'm used to, you know, yeah, seeing him. But you know, it was the literally the best He Is Legend show I've ever been to. They played uh, off of their uh, three albums, China White 1, 2, and 3, back-to-back. 
and then they finish it off with uh, The Seduction and I Am Hollywood. Nice. Nice. Out of all the times I've seen them, they've never played I Am Hollywood. They fucking play the intro riff to it, the crowd starts getting amped, and they and just cut they're it like, off. Fuck you. Yep, they just cut it off, dude. Which I think is hilarious. But when they started playing it, I looked at Greg. I was like, they always do this. They're not going to fucking play it. And they played it. And I was like, you got to be fucking oh, shitting shit. me, dude. But that could be like the end all be all. He is legend for me. I could never see him again and be happy be because it, yeah. that was a, that was one of my favorite shows. Just the environment. Yeah. Everybody was there to see them. So everybody was on mm-hmm. the same fucking page, dude. It was super yeah. cool. I hate that. Like what you said, that the, the look he gave you about being kind of irritated that you thought you were going to talk to him. I hate that. Yeah. I, I got I got blown off by Chris Conley from Saves a Day one time. Oh, yeah. Like I, I was a really big Saves a Day fan. And um, me and Chris Myers went to go see them in Cleveland. And we got there. Fuck it four hours early to be first in to be front row and uh i saw chris Conley standing out there and i went to go walk over to him and he just fucking ran and gri- jumped inside of his tour bus when he saw us walking over i'm like man yeah fuck you like it's definitely rough <laughs> breaks your heart a little my, bit my, my favorite example like that's your job man mm-hmm. these are the people that pay your bills like give them a little bit of time like i get it it probably gets fucking old but like you just see one dude walking up to you to say what's up. Yeah, but the perfect example of how it should be is David Flynn from Chelsea Grant. Whenever they come down to Florida, I try to go up and see him. And I went up there and I was hanging out with him, you know, backstage. It's not really backstage. It's a fucking alley at the, at the, at the fucking <laughs> yeah. venue. But, man, Dave is one of the coolest dudes that there is when it comes to his fans, man. We'd just be sitting there talking. And someone would come up all timid. And, and, you know, head down, like, you know, hey, Dave, like, I'm, I'm a real big fan. And he would be like, hey, man, you give me a minute. I want to go take a picture with these guys. Or, you know, like, he treats his fans fucking right. Mm-hmm. And it, it was so awesome to watch. Like, just these people come up thinking he's, you know, the shit. Yeah. And in and, and their world, he is, you know. And that, I mean, not, I'm not super into that kind of, that music scene. But, man, he treats his fans a hundred percent right. He, mm-hmm. Dave's fucking anyone who knows Dave knows that he's one of the n- genuinely nicest fucking people. Yeah, there is, and to come out of this fucking this area, mm-hmm. you know, it's it, it's cool to watch him up on stage. Anyway, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen them. I haven't. Yeah, they're they're pretty heavy duty dudes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we got to wrap this up. Cliff has to get out of here. Go some. Go do some jolfing. Jolfing. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. So, uh, you know, we did this at your request. You wanted to come do the pod, your first one. Cool. Um, but yeah, it was good seeing you. Yeah, dude, it's great catching and up, man. Cliff, thanks for the uh, space to do Cliff, this. Cliff, he's always a hospitable guy. This was just kind of like the last minute thing. I think Jake, I was talking to Jake. What was it, like Wednesday or Thursday? And you're like, yeah, I'm flying in on Friday, and I'm like, oh fuck. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about doing it for a while now. Yeah. It just didn't, it didn't line up last time I was in town, mm-hmm. what, four months ago. Yeah. So. But it did now, and that's it all It lined up. It was good. It was a fun yeah. time, man. I had a good time seeing both of you. Yeah, we'll have to do another one and actually oh, for really sure. get into the the Coheed stuff. Oh, dude, we'll go fucking 100 hours next time. Dude, I'm... The whole time you're here, we'll just record the whole... <laughs> it's like a vlog. Just follow me around with a fucking <laughs> microphone. Yeah. I'll be like that nerdy report. It's got, like, that thing on my side, and I'm like... Holding the microphone up to you, Jake. How do, how do you feel about this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. Alrighty. Let's do it. We'll, we'll go. We can make. We can go hard in the coheed stuff. I might have to go back and listen to some of the ones that I've. Oh, uh, and I'll get I'll get in depth on it too. You know, 
that I've kind of pushed to the side. I was so disappointed in the sound of the Year of the Black Rainbow. It just didn't mm-hmm. sound like Hoey to me. So Yes, but I don't know if you took my recommendation to listen to the new album yet. It's definitely a change of pace from Year of the Black Rainbow. It's, yeah. it's not old Coheed, but mm-hmm. but there are What's some the songs called? on there. Uh, un, the Unheavenly Creatures. Creatures. I downloaded it. I haven't listened to it yet. Yeah, I, I yeah. like it because it's picking up like, like from the story again. Yeah, yeah. Vaxus Act yeah. One. They just need to let Claudio do what Claudio does. <laughs> exactly. And we're trying to water him down because yeah. they're always going to have their diehard fans, and it's always going to make them some kind of money. You know? Did you see that he's that he started doing uh, Prize Fighter stuff again? Yeah. That, did you ever get into the first Prize Fighter album? I, I haven't. Can I've it, only heard bit like it's, some. It's songs. conceptually inside the same thing. Oh, okay. Because nice. the Prize Fighter Inferno has to do with Domino. It has to do with Inferno, which is uh, okay. fucking Jesse. Jesse is the Inferno, okay. which is which is um, Coheed's brother. Got you. Yeah, because together they're KBI, the Knowledge of the Beast, the Inferno. Mm. That that. So this is a whole other story about what they used to do together Damn. before they got to this story. Well, we're getting into that one <laughs> on the next definitely one. It's going to be a fucking whole... You, in the meantime, you should get that first album, My, oh, Brother's, check, My Brother's Blood Machine, which is a yeah, callback yep. to In Keeping Secrets. Yep. Uh, I can get it digitally? Yeah, for sure. All right, I'll, if not, I'll fucking, I'll fucking send it, right it to you. Now. I bought that album as soon as it came out right. back in the day because it came with tarot cards, and I thought that was really <laughs> cool. Damn, of course, dude. They're always hooking it up. Yeah. All right, well, thanks once again yeah, to dude. both of you. Thanks and, for having uh, Anything you want to say before we cut it off? Alrighty, I'm cutting this shit. Stay black. Mm-hmm.